Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Oh, we got a show for you today. Holy smokes. Welcome along to the Tuesday edition of The Ride Home. Kath, good to see you as well. Uh, a little dressed down today. Just bringing it up. Just wanted to say. Now, this is the kind of thing you're supposed to be able to get away with when you work in radio. No, no, no. Not you everyone getting... has to know. It can just be a thing between you and me and Mike. What? Now, like all of wearing... a sudden, it's going you know, 50,000 watts. Look, if I posted a photograph of you and you're dressed downstate, yeah. people would say, you look fabulous. Was that what they would say? They would say that. Yeah. Mike, do, I, do you concur? <laughs> there you go. Hey, this is John Hall. Even in dress down, Kathy Emmons looking fabulous today on the ride home. Thanks for joining us from 4 to 6. We discuss fashion <laughs> updates as the show rolls forward. My knees are both exposed. Oh, They're yeah. What's the deal with that? Did you yeah. buy your jeans like that? Or I did, did this not happen buy naturally? my jeans. They, oh. That happened naturally. What? Yeah, that oh, happened You saved yourself like 100 bucks. I know, really. That's I the like look. It. Anyway, here's the... I don't like that I look. like it the look. I like it. You I like, like it a lot. Look? The, I love it too. The I love torn it. look. I love the torn look. I hate it. I love it's it. It's stupid. I love it. it if I make could any have sense. all of my jeans like that, I would. Why? It's, it's it, I it just it it's ridiculous. like it's, ridiculous. it's a little bit like shabby chic is what yeah. it is. Shabby chic. I like it. I really do. Thank That's you, Mike. Aren't you cold in the wintertime? No. Like don't you need a scarf for your ripped If I could wear Rip jeans every day. It's ridiculous. I would. It's my now listen. If my mother's listening, she is right now losing her mind. As she should. She's, she's a woman so of wisdom. Appalled. Every she time I be. wear ripped jeans, she's like, "What are those?" Yeah, I paid extra for yeah. the rips. Mm-hmm. I'm it. telling you, I like it, Mike, and I like it. Welcome to 2019. Thank oh, you. Oh yeah, thank you. I really, I really like Mike, do you have a life. pair of ripped jeans yourself? I do. Oh, you do. I sure do. Oh, you trendsetter. That's right, Mike. Excuse yeah. me. They would have looked nice with those glasses you were wearing thank last you. week that <laughs> I liked a lot until you returned them. He was doing tool time. Perhaps it would have looked good. Hey, this is John Hall. <laughs> okay, sorry. So today is, uh, you know, amidst of all the different uh, things we're going to talk about today, let's start off by talking about the uh, the National Night of Bats. And I'm not talking about the pirates and their lack of bats. I'm talking about the uh, the nocturnal creatures who fly through the air. What do you think? Are you pro-bat or are you anti-bat? Logically, I use the side of my brain. I can't ever remember whether it's right or left. <laughs> The mm-hmm. rational side yeah. that tells me that bats are wonderful. They're good. They're tremendous creations. They control insects. Mm-hmm. We should love them. Yes. And that's wonderful. The other side of my brain, they are so revolting to me. They are sick. They freak me out. Really? I do. I, I just, I don't want, I want them to do their thing on earth and I can be thankful for them and I want to be completely removed. Where does that repulsion come from? Watching Dracula movies How as a kid? How about the fact that they're gross? That's where it comes from. I don't need a movie. I just need to look at them. <laughs> How often do you see a bat yourself? Well, not often. Exactly. Exactly. So, What are you saying? I need to like hang out more and see Well, them? you might, you know, a little calm down somewhat if they I'd, were around look, them. Look, I just, one time... A bat ended up in my house mm. when I was living in Oakland. It was a little traumatic. Yeah, that would scare you. How'd you get out of it? Uh, I called my friend Henry. Oh, okay. And he came over and fixed it. Did he throw something on the bat? I don't know what he did. Probably like, you know. I don't remember. Covered it up. I don't remember. My sister has had a problem in her home in New Jersey. With bats? With bats. Roosting in her house. She seems to be handling it poorly, as I would. Mm-hmm. So it's a family thing. And right. Mike, shut that video off. Whatever you're showing is uh, disgusting. Yeah, that's it. I think they're cute looking. He likes to taunt us. Please stop that immediately. We have the, we have video screens in our monitors yeah, in our that. in our studio, which is a way that Mike can communicate with us. Now he's communicating things we don't want. Mm-hmm. There it is. What? Again. So you're like into bats? 
I'm not into bats. Uh, in our backyard, we sit out nightly, as you know, uh, in our backyard. As twilight falls, always I there are that. bats floating okay, around. Okay, so as long as they're fruit bats and they're dipping down and fruit, getting... Fruit's a fruit bat. I think they that's eat, what they are. They only eat, pl- like, fruit. Yeah. They don't eat fruit? They eat, what about bats that just eat, eat insects? They eat fruit, but there's, fruit there's bats still eat bugs, kind of bats. don't they? I, th- I think so. I think really? fruit bats still eat insects. Hmm. I mean, I'm okay with those. You know why? They're doing their they're, job. They're doing their work, and I tell them move on with your vocation. Right. You know, but I just don't want to be involved. All right. Well, today is the uh, national uh, no, night the, of bats. It's the international international night of bats. We're looking online, and uh, Bracken Cave, which is uh, in Texas, Como County, Texas, it is home to the largest colony of bats in the world. Mm-hmm. From March to October. The Mexican free-tailed bats gather. They roost in this cage, in this cave. Twenty million bats Stop together. It. Stop. Twenty it. million. Can you, people probably walk in that cave, don't you think? It's like as a means of exploration. Can walking. you imagine what it smells like in that cave? Oh, what is it called? Guano. Guano. Mm-hmm. Guano. That's horrible. Yeah. Well, because I mean, it's poop. I know. I get what it. You, I mean, I. I just. Oh, like perfume. I just twenty million. So, do they all go out at night, like at dusk? Uh, I would imagine they would. Yeah. Could you imagine what that looks like? Flying out of that cave. (laughs) And you're standing there uh, under an umbrella. Help me. Have you ever had a bat in your house? Uh, I think so. Yeah, probably so in the life of our house. We've had birds in our house. I don't know if they were bats. Listen to me. Yeah. Listen, when you're saying probably, that means no. no because no. if you had a bat in your house, no, we've, you would remember. We've had birds it in our house. becomes implanted in your brain because it is. that's when you realize that this is a disgusting thing that you must remove yourself from or remove it from where you are. Well, the, the thing is that they were probably here before we were. I, I'm right. not saying that we have some like evolutionary leg up on them. I'm get just saying that I don't want to be involved. Okay. All right. Anyway, now International Night of the Bats. All right. Good Usually, for them. Yeah, very nice. Good for them. Yeah. And in, in the spirit of that, we're going to talk about civility coming up next. Nice. Be, you should be nicer about the bats. You're so hard on them. We live in uncivil times. We do. do we not? And I apologize for that. Daniel Darling coming up next from the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission at the Southern Baptist Convention on today's Ride Home. 101.5 WORD. It's an act of nobility on the next adventure in Odyssey. I, Roderick, promise to wear this crown bravely. So put on your crown and roll out the red carpet. You did what? For a look at what it means to be noble. We held the coronation without you, sire. Dare you! Our only thought has been to save the throne of Voltavia. On the next Adventures in Odyssey. Tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM WORD. You've all helped build my pillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to word listeners everywhere. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. Now you can get deep discounts on MyPillows, mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. There's even a great body pillow, perfect if you happen to be a side sleeper. Regularly $89.99, but with the promo code WORD, you can get one today for only $29.99. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. It's MyPillow's way of saying thank you for all your support. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, and get deep discounts.
discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Body Pillow for only $29.99. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 for these great radio specials. That's 800-391-0954 or MyPillow.com. Promo code WORD. RPTS, the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Point Breeze presents the 2019 Westminster Conference, Friday, September 13th through Saturday, September 14th. Join President Dr. Barry York and leading RPTS authorities in church history, systematic theology, biblical counseling, and more for this year's focus, the Synod of Dort and the Doctrines of Grace. The 2019 Westminster Conference, bringing the Westminster Confession into the 21st century. Register now at rpts.edu. If you're living under the dark cloud of hidden secrets and judgment, then it's time for you to apply the teaching of Psalm 51 in your own life. Join Terry Hanna for Christians with Secret Addictions. How amazing would it be that rather than hide in the darkness of our past, we can have God himself is our hiding place, our place of safety, his unfailing love and forgiveness, just like David experienced. Christians with Secret Addictions, Sunday night at 645 on WORD. You know, they say the best is yet to come. But to make that true for your retirement, you need a plan. We'll start by tuning in for Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10. Kurt and Ethan can help simplify the retirement planning process. No technical terms or calculations, no product pushing, just the information you need for retirement. Don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10 right here on 101.5 Word FM. We live in deeply uncivil times. And I wonder if, you know, if it's just us. I say that with you know, complete and total assurance. Or were they saying the same thing 100 years ago or you know, 50 years ago? Is every age an uncivil time? Or is this just us reaching a new low? What do you think? If you read history, history is just one series of incivility after <laughs> another series of incivility. So we're always just kind of jerky. I mean, it's just, right? I, I feel like... Now, with social media, it appears different, but I think the root cause is the same as it always was. Daniel Darling is with us. Daniel's vice president for communications for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. Convention. He's written widely on civility. And Daniel, thanks for being with us today. Hey, I'm glad to be with you, John Kathy, and hope things are going well in Pittsburgh. Very well. Thank you. They are. And I I like this idea of looking at civility through an action, through appealing to the common humanity of the person with whom you're having either an argument or a tense exchange or whatever it is, recognizing that the same stuff that's in you is in them. Can you talk, first off, about Mary Linda Moss, who I've never heard of until I read your article, Daniel? Yeah, so she uh, is, is, I mean, most people probably have forgotten her, but if you remember a couple of years ago, there was a standoff, a hostage standoff in a Trader Joe's in uh, California, in L.A., and um, it could have been much worse. You know, there was just a really troubled person that came in and um, had already shot someone in the parking lot, but came in, and um, Moss was able to use, you know, she was able to kind of talk this guy through uh, not hurting anybody else, and she kind of appealed to his humanity, hey, you don't want to do this, you're better than this. Uh, she was a Christian, by the way, um, and she was able to get him to not only, um, you know, to kind of surrender his weapon, to walk out, and she also had to hold off the police and say, hey, listen, I'm working with this guy. Uh, it's pretty amazing, and it's, it's it's sort of rare to see that. Uh, and it, it reminded me just of the way, 
you know, we should appeal to someone's common humanity, even as we deeply disagree with them. This is this is something that Martin Luther King Jr. did, I think, even though he was giving and delivering prophetic speech about racism and segregation in America, he uh, always appealed to the language of human dignity that everyone's uh, uh, made in the image of God. That um, even even to he even appealed to the humanity of the white segregationist that he was um, talking with. And so I, I think as Christians, you know, that's something we can do is that we can try to be part of the solution by even appealing to the humanity of the people that we so uh, vociferously disagree with. So, Daniel, can you go back and talk and maybe define for us? Tell us exactly when you think of, because I, I imagine if you would talk to people, you know, on a college campus or, you know, anywhere in public, and you said, please define civility for us, what people would say. I mean, what what exactly? It sounds like something that's ancient or an antiquated word that people don't use anymore. We've fallen so far off the cliff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, civility, you know, it's interesting. Civility is just simply tolerating people who disagree with us. And, and sometimes it gets a bad rap because people will say, listen, this issue is so important. There's issues of injustice here. And I, I, I agree. Civility is not sort of um, not having courage and not standing up for what's right. In fact, when I think of this, I think of First Peter 3.15, where Peter says, have an answer for every man that the uh, for the hope that lies within you, but do it with gentleness and kindness. And mm. he was he, he was saying that civility and courage are not enemies; they can go together. I think Jesus, when he um, was standing before his accusers, sometimes he was bold, but sometimes he was silent. And so we have this idea that the loudest person in the room, the one that can throw the most insults, is the most courageous. But sometimes courage looks differently than that. Sometimes it means speaking up. Sometimes it means being silent. How do we know? How do we know? Well, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things we think about, too, is even as we're having our disagreements, uh, uh, Arthur Brooks puts it uh, really well in his book, Love Your Enemies, where uh, he, he says that America doesn't really have an anger problem uh, because anger can be a useful emotion uh, to, to fight injustice and to stand up for what's right. He says we have a contempt problem, that we... Mm. It's one thing to be angry. It's one thing to have disagreement. It's another thing to have contempt for mm-hmm. our fellow human, where we don't even see them as human. We don't even uh, see any value in them. Uh, we just sort of want to marginalize them and erase them sort of from polite society. And I think those are the kind of instincts that worry people, even though, as you mentioned earlier, you know, our discourse in this country has always been pretty rough. If you, you know, I'm a student of history. If you go back, you know, political campaigns have always been rough. Uh, back in the very beginning, I mean, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams had a brutal campaign for president, um, and, and it's been like that ever since. But I think the difference now, number one, is we have more tools with which we can express ourselves so we can just communicate so quickly online with social media. But number two, I think there's a level of, of actual visceral contempt mm-hmm. for people who don't think like us. And I think that really is a, an issue in America. I think it is, too. Daniel Darling's with us, Vice President for Communications for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. Dan's the author of a whole bunch of books, including uh, Teen People of the Bible, Crash Course, The Original Jesus. I really like The uh, Dignity Revolution. He also writes regularly for several leading publications, including Christianity Today and The Gospel Coalition. So then, Dan, 
is always the boogeyman in this conversation, at least from our perspective now. You know, everybody hangs their hat on social media. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're on Twitter or Facebook, we're not looking people in the eye. We're not sitting in the same room with people. We're not engaging in conversation where they're, you know, you pick up talk body about, language. Talk it, about or trying to recognize someone's common humanity to yours. You don't even have to be concerned about that right. if it's just some stuff you're typing on the screen. You crush and run. Uh, I mean, I, I get that. I, I would agree with some of that, but I think it goes beyond that and somehow it's infected just the day-to-day experience of what it is to be in the grocery store or in traffic that, you know, social media has sort of trumped the real world experience in some way. Is that is that even correct? I, I think you're right. I think I think there's both good and bad about social media. I mean, I think First, we can say that social media is good in the sense that it has sort of leveled the playing field. So it has elevated voices that maybe previously were marginalized. Uh, you think of uh, just ways that good movements can spread uh, via social media. We're able to discover good content and good and beautiful things easier. But it also has uh, made discourse harder in many respects because, as you said, um, you know, we, we have stopped looking at that person with whom we're disagreeing uh, on the other side of Twitter as a human being. You know, we, we see them as an avatar, or maybe the sum total of, of their arguments, and forget that this is a person creating the image of God, and that uh, it's easy because it's mediated now between, um, you know, these digital devices rather than a face-to-face conversation. And so I think, you know, as Christians, look, we are in an age of social media. We're not, we're not going to go back. You know, to the 1950s, we're not going to all suddenly become Amish. So how do we use these tools in a way that glorifies God? What is a good use of social media? How can we have discussions that are profitable? And maybe do we say some of our more heated debates, um, maybe there's a better medium through which to um, make these arguments. Maybe it's more long-form expressions. Maybe it's picking up the phone with somebody. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's having private email exchanges. So I think it's not necessarily that social media itself is bad, but how do we use it well? And are we using it in the best way? You know, it, it, can we can we change someone's mind who is really on the opposite side of us in 280 characters? Can we really no. do that? Are, are there better ways to do this? Yeah, every way is better than that way. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> right. Well, but, but because of this, though, I think the default is that we, at least going into any arena, that we're so buffered by this that we ascribe ill intentions because we've been down this road so many times, it's become sort of the veneer or the overlay of most Mm -hmm. things we do. All right, let me ask you this. I've been thinking lately, John and Dan, about the for all the information we have and for how sophisticated we are with the amount of things we can gather at a moment's notice and the amount of, of capability we carry in our hand and our phone, the way we look at other people has become very simplistic. I, I, I was thinking mm-hmm. about it last night, kind of in, in a, a, like a paper doll uh, avatar mm-hmm. type of thing. So if I'm arguing with somebody online, I find out one thing about them. Regard, maybe it's uh, that they are a dispensationalist. Or maybe I found out they voted for Donald Trump. Or whatever your thing is that really hacks you. Or I found out that they believe in a six-day literal creation. Like whatever your issue is, you find that out about that person and you've decided, 
you know everything about them mm-hmm. and you don't like it. So they're one of those a, people. And I, that's I think such it's a great point. It's Catherine. curious, that isn't is it? Isn't it point. odd how that's happened to us? Yeah. And I think we do that both to ourselves and to other people. So we're so tribal. So we're saying like, I'm part of this tribe or I'm part of this tribe. I think part of that reflects our, our desire to, to belong, uh, our, our longing to be part of something. And of course, as the church, we're, we're part of something larger, the body of Christ. And we're part of Christ's kingdom. But I think we do that. We, we do reduce people just to that one thing, right? Um, yeah, that's a great point. You know, they voted for this person, or they have this political position. Um, and, and so this is the sum total of everything who they are, instead of saying, well, wait a minute, no, this is a full human being, a full complex human being, and p- people are not just one idea, they're not just the sum total of that. And I do think living in community with people makes that different, right? So we, you might go to church with people who might may hold a view that's different than you, uh, but but you see them and you interact with them and you pray right, with them right, and right. you and you learn from them and then you also don't project yourself as being that's all that you are right we're 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 complicated creatures and we're whole people not just uh, sort of this paper doll I think that's a great way of of thinking about it that's exactly what you do or we sort of you know push people off to the side because they're in this group or they're in this group or another thing that we do that I think is really harmful is. Rather than engage someone's arguments, um, you know, we'll just sort of say, you know, we'll just kind of use these labels that allow us to dismiss everything, right? So, well, they voted for Trump, so I'm not going to listen to them. Mm-hmm, or right. they, they, they did this, I'm not going to listen to them. Or, you know, they're, they're talking about racial reconciliation over here. They must be a socialist, so I don't have to listen to them. Or, you know, they have a conservative view of economics. Well, they must be racist, so I'm not going to, you know, so it's like right, right. we sort of do that to people rather than realize people are whole human beings. And um, the value of real genuine friendship is having friendships with people with whom you disagree, right? So you may have a disagreement over eschatology with the end times or disagreement over creation or even disagreement about, about politics, the most prudent way to help the poor, for instance. And you say, well, can I be friends with someone who's different than me? And what you find is that you may not change your position, but it actually... Uh, strengthens your argument or helps you think, see things from a different point of view that you may not have seen before. Um, and I think, I think this is really what God is really calling us to do in the church, that you know, we're, we're coming together on Sunday morning, not as a monolithic group. We're coming together with people from different ideas and backgrounds and races, and, and what unites us is uh, our faith in Christ. So then what I'm taking, Daniel, from what you're saying and what Kathy's saying, that to me there is a difference when I hear this conversation, that there is a, a, a civility shade, mm-hmm. a shade of difference in civility between what happens online and what happens in real life. Because Kath said, when I'm having an argument with somebody online and I thought to myself, you know what, I, I rarely, I, I don't have an argument with somebody online because I don't want to go there. I don't need to go there. Mm-hmm. It's too much to bear to f- argue with stranger X or friend B. Right. It's just too much, right? I mean, like, uh, uh, before we came on the air today, I'm looking at Twitter. I, you know, this is, would you fall into a hole? And somebody somebody t- uh, tweeted, I, I, I guess I follow this person. again. Look, <laughs> I guess you do. Right? You I might guess, not after this. But you know what I mean? I follow somebody, and someone <laughs> says, on a train seated between two middle-aged white guys who seem to be having a throat clearing contest somebody's going to get punched in the adam's apple and i read that and i think <laughs> i think what the heck? i mean you know 
I mean, somebody is sitting somewhere on a train, and they're going to punch somebody in the Adam's apple. And apparently, it's two white guys, so that holds a whole other thing to it. And I go, wait a second, is that me? Was I in a tra- You know, am I the white guy? Am I going to get punched? And then people, like, chiming in, and they're piling on throat-clearing middle-aged white guys who might be me. So then I lose my civility because I feel under attack, and yeah. I don't even know these people. Yeah, that's so true. And I think we just, we kind of lose the common sense of humanity. I mean, I think there's a way to have discussions online that can be fruitful, even if you disagree with someone, where you're having sort of a friendly discussion. And you're able to see, you know, the best way to have an argument is to try to see the best arguments of the person you're disagreeing with so that you can interact, interact with their actual arguments, not with the caricature of them, you know. Um, And I think there's a way to do that or just sort of see their best interests at heart. Uh, so there's a way to do social media and a way to act. I think we always need to be asking ourselves, like, would I say this to someone if I was in person, right? So even the way sometimes I think discernment bloggers will, will go about their business and sort of cherry pick statements or take little things and make it, you know, out of context in a sensational way. Or even if you're right about a discernment, an issue of Christian discernment, you know, you would never in a party go up to someone and poke your finger in the chest and say, you are so wrong about this, right? Right. You know, you would say, hey, let's sit down and talk about this. I'm trying to see where you're coming from. Here's what I see, you know. It, or you might not You might not say anything. You know why? Because you think, well, right. that person has an opinion, and I don't have the same right. one, and who cares? Do we have to, like, <laughs> figure that out? Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh. I mean, it's just to me, and I think sometimes we are not as um, – you know, when I read what Paul is telling Timothy in First Second Timothy and Titus about spiritual maturity and leadership, and some of the things we say, well, most people are just going a little too far. Actually, Paul talks about divisiveness and brawling yeah. and all yeah. that. He's actually saying it's a sin and it's a sign of spiritual immaturity, and I think we have to sort of call it what it is. Yeah. Well, Daniel, I, I certainly, when I read you and you, you write an awful lot and you do an excellent job, when I read what you write, I always appreciate that you do come back and have civility as one of your major threads. It means something to me and I'm sure to other people who read. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. The only exception I give for myself is I'm a, I'm a huge Cubs fan. And so I think oh, in, that, that's revolting. in that arena, you're allowed to have civility listen, a little bit. Listen, you had to bring that up. I yeah. was liking you so much until now, and we're just going to have to be enemies. That's Daniel Darling. Yes, agree to disagree. Vice President Thanks, for Communications for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, and a Cubs fan. Oh, well. What do you mean, oh, well? Looking to buy a car? Online shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for the car you want and see what other people pay for it too. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. Bart. It's an amazing song. Maybe you've seen the movie. It's kind of happening. Now see them live in concert. The Imagination Tour. Featuring Mercy Me. With special guest Crowder. Word FM welcomes Mercy Me. Coming to PPG Paints Arena, October 4th. 
Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. We're surrounded by noise, bombarded by information, messages struggling to get attention. So many ways to reach customers. Your message needs to cut through and stand out. For the resources and know-how to make it all work, there's Salem Surround. Get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and some great ideas to increase your online visibility and revenue. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. This is the Entertainment Answer. Looking to bring some fiery action to your home theater this week? Well, Godzilla King of the Monsters is now on digital DVD and Blu-ray. Mothra, Rodan, and the three-headed King Ghidorah are in this one along with Godzilla. It is the follow-up to the 2014 Godzilla film and sets the stage for the 2020 release of Godzilla vs. Kong. And to be honest, I have no idea who I'm going to root for. I really do like King Kong and Godzilla. Godzilla King of the Monsters rated PG-13. For this entertainment answer, I'm Matt Mungle. The backyard's looking great, Rob. Thanks, man. I was planning on adding a deck, too. Know any good contractors? Why don't you just ask HomeAdvisor? Home what? HomeAdvisor.com. You just tell them about your project and they match you with local pros that can do the job. Nice. Now, how much does it cost? Oh, HomeAdvisor's totally free to use. Plus, you can read customer reviews, check pricing, and book appointments for free. What's the website again? HomeAdvisor.com. Or just download the free HomeAdvisor app. Hi, this is Brad Marshall, General Manager here at Salem-Pittsburgh. If you're listening to my voice right now, you're a listener to our station. If you love this station and you have experience in sales, we'd love to talk to you. You already understand our mission and what we do, so now maybe you'd like to join this team. If you have sales experience and understand digital marketing, we might have a job for you. Call me and we'll discuss the next steps. Call Brad, 412-503-4770. If you love us, come join us. It could be a life-changing opportunity for you. You'll never know unless you call. Mostly cloudy and muggy tonight with a couple of showers and in some spots, a heavier thunderstorm, low 65. Tomorrow, a morning shower in the area, especially east of the city. Then clouds will give way to some sunshine, high 78. Mainly clear, cooler, and more comfortable tomorrow night. Low 54, then a nice day for Thursday. Mostly sunny, not too humid, 76 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. When are we gonna realize we all it's Be Kind to Humans Week, and to honor this new and necessary observance, here's our Tuesday nomination, courtesy of CNN. When her seven-year-old had to fly solo to visit his dad, Alexa Bjornsson was a little worried. Bjornsson's son, Landon, has autism, and traveling can be difficult for him. Because the mom didn't know how Landon would fare on his own, she gave her son a note to present to the passenger next to him. The message explained that Landon has high-functioning autism and might frequently ask, are we there yet? She also included $10 for the person for helping her son feel safe and comfortable. I thought, so how do I make it so that whoever's sitting next to him won't look at him as a burden, but more of like, I can help this kiddo get through the day, Bjornsson told CNN affiliate KATU. So a man named Ben Pedraza ended up sitting next to Landon, but he didn't need any cash incentive to enjoy a great flight with Landon. They were heading from Las Vegas to Oregon on Thursday. Quote, we were cracking jokes and after a while he asked me to quit making dad jokes, Pedraza told KATU. At the end of the flight, Pedraza snapped a photo with Landon and sent it to Alexa, his mom, with a sweet, reassuring message. 
This is what it said. Well, Landon did ask if we were there yet several times, but he was a great travel buddy. We had a good time and played a few rounds of rock, paper, scissors, Pedraza wrote. He's a great kid and you're a lucky mom. Pedraza said the $10 wasn't necessary and that he donated it to the Autism Society in honor of Landon. Mom Alexa, so grateful, took to social media to tell the story. This is what she wrote. Quote, Today, my son took his first flight to Oregon to see his dad. I sent Landon with a letter to give to whoever sat next to me saying he has high-functioning autism, so he might be nervous and ask you, are we there yet a lot? And please just make him feel safe and comfortable with $10 in the note. And this is what I just received. And she attached the message that she had gotten from Pedraza. She went on to say, I am so grateful to this individual I've never met and that there are still kind people in the world who make a difference like I try myself to do as well. Thank you so much, Ben. And that is our Tuesday nomination for Be Kind to Humans. WORD. What would you say to those that you love if you knew that they would be the last words that you shared with them? Well, that's what we'll hear from the Apostle Paul as we study 2 Timothy, or what our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, calls his swan song. You won't want to miss Paul's meaningful words that are as appropriate for us today as they were for young Timothy long ago. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. We can hardly believe it, but it's time for the last barbecue of the summer at the Springhouse in 84. Don't miss out on this great summer taste treat. And come to the Springhouse this Labor Day for fantastic chicken cooked over the pit with lots of country vegetable casseroles, homemade rolls, homemade desserts, and of course our own Springhouse chocolate milk. Eat in our picnic patch or sun porch or take it home to your own picnic. And although this last chicken barbecue marks the end of the summer at the Springhouse, it also signals the beginning of lots of fun fall events. We'll soon be having hog roasts and pumpkin patch hay rides, plus lots of other special events to celebrate this beautiful autumn time of the year. So be sure to come this Labor Day to the Springhouse and help us celebrate. Attention all business owners who rent or lease space, including storage space. Stop wasting your money paying someone else for your space. You can now save a ton of money and own your own building with the incredible sale prices from General Steel. That's right. Start saving money every month on renting space from others. Just call 877-47-STEEL to see how General Steel can help you save money. Our 50-year structural Warranty buildings are custom designed for your needs and save you a ton of money. Call 877-47-STEEL. Take it from a successful entrepreneur. If you need to expand or start a new business, you need General Steel. Great team and the competitive pricing is the reason I went with General Steel. Call 877-47-STEEL now and you can get any of our popular quick construction structures including a 40 by 60 foot building or a 50 by 100 clear span building fast and easy. Call 877-47-STEEL. That's 
That's 877-477-8335. 877-47-STEEL. If you're living under the dark cloud of hidden secrets and judgment, then it's time for you to apply the teaching of Psalm 51 in your own life. Join Terry Hanna for Christians with Secret Addictions. How amazing would it be that rather than hide in the darkness of our past, we can have God himself as our hiding place, our place of safety, his unfailing love and forgiveness, just like David experienced. Christians with Secret Addictions, Sunday night at 645 on WORD. public, you know, and you look at us, all of us, I'll include myself here. The three of us? You and me and Mike? I'm saying society. Okay. Us. Society as a whole. We've gotten chubby. I can't believe you think that. Well, that's the truth. You know that. You look around and you go, whoa, look at us. We were at Kennywood a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah? I mean, you know, we're a portly lot. And if you look at people, if you look at films or television or even just random photos from the 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. 70s, 80s, our body image, our type has changed. Mm-hmm. I have often thought that. I think this is pretty common observation. But there's a, an article in today's Atlantic, why it was easier to be skinny in the 80s. Why? Well, because you had, what's the uh, stranger, Jazzercise. Oh, right. If you've watched Stranger Things season three, Jazzercise plays a... Uh, a role in the mall that they show from the 1980s. And remember when everybody was wearing, you know, like pink leotards and Leggings. like purple and leg warmers and yeah. Oh, yeah. Olivia Newton John. Yeah. This is all about working out. This one. Sure yep. Here's the deal. Yeah, I'm sure My body's good. talking, but not like it was in the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> okay, so what's what's the Atlantic saying? Is it why was it easier to be skinny then? Because this the person was younger. This is wild. So a study published in the journal. This is a good journal. Obesity research and clinical practice. I love that journal. What a full page ad there for the John and <laughs> Kathy show huh? for the ride home full page ad uh, in the journal Obesity Research and Clinical Practice. It found that it's harder for adults today to maintain the same weight as those 20 to 30 years ago did, even at the same levels of food and exercise. Wait a minute. So you're saying that people are exercise if people were exercising the same amount now and eating the same amount as they did 20 to 30 years ago? Okay, but is that because they're 20 to 30 years older? No, no. They're just saying, you know, if you're, you know, 20 years ago if you were 20, right, and you're 20 today. Right. Then it's harder. Why yes. is it, so what what is their Here's the deal. The authors examined the dietary data data of 36 it's hard to say <laughs> i got stuck in between the two of data and data so yeah, instead and- i went i went, I went <laughs> anyway uh they looked at the dietary data of 36,400 americans between 1971 and 2008 and the physical activity of 14,000 people between 1988 and 2006 they grouped the data together by the amount of food and activity, age, and BMI. They found this very surprising correlation, that a given person in 2006 eating the same amount of calories, taking in the same quantities of macronutrients like protein and fat, and exercising the same amount as a person did at the same age in 1988, 
would have a BMI that is about 2.3% points higher. Wait a minute. Why? I don't Why is so why? In other words, people today are about 10% heavier than they were in the 1980s, even if they followed the exact same diet and exercise plan. Now, the study suggests that if you're 25, you have to eat even less and exercise more than those older to prevent gaining weight. Okay? Well, that's just patently unfair. Okay. So here's what, here's the deal. Here's what they're saying. People are exposed to more chemicals that might be weight gain inducing. Mm. Pesticides, flame retardants, and the substance in food packaging might all be altering our hormonal processes and tweaking what? the way that our bodies put on and maintain oh, weight. Second, it's nothing safe. Second, the use of prescription drugs has risen dramatically since the 70s and 80s. All right. Prozac, the first blockbuster, came out in 1988. Antidepressants are now one of the most commonly prescribed drugs in the U.S. Many of them have been linked to weight gain. Hmm. Finally, the study authors think that microbiomemes of Americans, I don't know what microbiomemes, have somehow changed between the 1980s and now. It's well known that some type of gut bacteria makes a person more prone to weight gain and obesity. obesity. Americans are eating more meat than they were a few decades ago. Many animal products are treated with hormones, antibiotics in order to promote growth. All that meat might be changing gut bacteria in ways that are subtle at first, but add up over time. How about that? I always just thought I was eating too much ice cream. Well, and you might be. Well... I mean, there is that. It's not mentioned in the article. Right. It, well, that's depressing. I'm surprised that people are eating more meat now than they were in the 1980s. Oh, I'm not. You don't think, I mean, look back, you know, this is all fast food, don't you think? I mean, the rise of McDonald's be. and Wendy's and Burger King Yeah, but King there was a lot of McDonald's and Wendy's and Burger King in the 1980s. Yeah, but it's everywhere. Not in 1980, but certainly as it got closer to 1990, there was every bit as much as there is now, don't you think? Yeah, but you know people who are eating meat three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know that. People are. Really? Oh, sure. I think it's a pretty common thing. Yeah, they're having, you know, bacon or breakfast sausage, and then they're having, you know, a burger for lunch, and maybe they're having, you know, a steak or roast for dinner. I think that's a pretty common thing. I forget where I read this, too, but sugar content in soda mm. has almost doubled since the 1980s. Is that right? Mm. Yeah. Really? So there's more sugar in, like, Coca-Cola yeah. now than there was what? then? Correct. It's not the same recipe? What? There's been more, yeah. Well, now these are all things working against us. Yeah. I'm just trying to fit in my pants. Well, you're doing a fine job. Well, you are. It's just a constant battle. I like those ripped jeans. Thank you, nice. Mike. I think they're worth Oh, money. speaking of, I've received a communication from my mother. A saying? Earlier in today's program. At the top of the hour. John was discussing how it was a dress down day for me. For only because I was out doing a bunch of things and I ended up running out of time, so I had to get to work, couldn't go home to change my clothes. And I said... I'm wearing ripped jeans, which I love. I love the style of ripped jeans. Mike said. They're great. They're I ridiculous. Love them. I think they're ridiculous. No, they're not. Anyway, Fashion I said. Faux pas. If my mother. Fashion faux pas, John Hall. If my mother knew that I was wearing these jeans at work, she would lose her mind. She texts me. Mm-hmm. Hi, John. I had breakfast this morning with Kathy. Mm-hmm. I was mortified by the outfit that she was wearing. Thank you, Nanny. But I thought. Thank heaven she has time to dash home to change her apparel before work. Yep. Thank heavens. It Listen, didn't happen. Listening now to your program, I'm stunned. Mm-hmm. Stunned. Your own mother is stunned. That Kathy actually has the same outfit. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. That's harsh when it comes from your mom. It is. I mean, ripped jeans. Come on. You're I, paying extra like, money for I, the ripped jeans. I like I like it. Why do you? I think it's a because, style. It is a style. It looks really poor. It doesn't. It does, does not look poor. Thank you, Mike. No, it looks really foolish. No, I think people it, like just you see somebody and it looks they've got like five or six massive tears I love in that. their clothing. I love that. Like they get stuck in a combine somewhere. Especially what happens? Especially if you have really strong legs. If you're an athlete, yeah. like oh, yeah. when you're like like Serena Williams or something, when she she looks so awesome. Talking no. about pants in the 1980s. What was up with the MC Hammer pants? And were those really that popular? Yes. Nobody was wearing those. Yes, just they, MC Hammer. That's not true. No, there were a ton. Those we were, balloon people pants. People were wearing knockoffs of that. They're called parachute pants. Right. Yes. Parachute yeah. Parachute. Pants. Yeah. Parachute, yeah. Right, yeah. Very nice, John. It's John Hall Fashion Rules. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. Well, yeah, well, like who's being MC Hammer in 1988? I think a lot of people were just, it's not that you're trying to be MC Hammer. It's just that those style icons, they filter down. Here's the deal. Given the choice between parachute pants and those ripped up old ratty things, yeah. I'll take the parachute pants oh my any God. day of the Can week. Can you imagine he's picking parachute pants over these jeans, I am. Mike? How about when you see people, okay, oh you, you brought up Serena Williams. That's horrible. Now, Serena Williams is a finely honed athlete. Yes. How about when you see people on the plump side and like the little fatty things are coming out of the tears? That is a bad look. Okay. That, I agree that that is a bad look and that should not be born. Oh, so, now all of a sudden you like the fashion arbiter. No, so now, so I'm now, just saying Now there's a sliding that have, that scale I'm, of the ripped jeans. I'm, well, I think there is a sliding scale of ripped jeans. I don't think so. Yeah, I think that when- Either all in or you're not. No, I don't think I'm all in. I can't be all in all the time. I mean, there are gradations. Oh, so, so, so then only for thin people, ripped jeans. Well, you- See, now you make me sound like I'm a terrible person. No. <laughs> I'm just trying to nail down the fashion specifics of this horrible trend. Mike Wayne. It's in. a great trend. It's a great trend. And every, everybody and their mother's wearing them. No, Kathy's wearing them. Listen, everybody but and not their mother's my, but not. But not my mother. Exactly. <laughs> Nanny's not wearing them. Neither is John Hall because mm-hmm. we've got wisdom and some good fashion sense. I oh. feel good about it. I'm very, actually. My boy's mother's wearing them. I'm extremely comfortable. These are my favorite pants I'm wearing right now. All right, well. Take a break, come back, stick around. Uh, we're talking ridiculousness on a Tuesday afternoon. But we promise we got more good stuff ahead. Honest. One of the most highly revered Bible teaching programs in the world is facing a challenging financial deficit. If you're among the millions who have personally benefited from the Bible teaching of Chuck Swindoll, then we're asking you to prayerfully step forward and give generously to Insight for Living Ministries. The need is urgent, and your gift of any amount will make a difference in helping to keep this beloved program on the air. You can respond right now by calling 800-772-8888 or go online to insight.org slash donate. You've all helped build my pillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of My Pillow, wants to give back to word listeners everywhere. You can get deep discounts on all My Pillow products if you go to mypillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. Now you can get deep discounts on My Pillows, mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. There's even a great body pillow, perfect if you happen to be a side sleeper. Regularly $89.99, but with the promo code WORD, you can get one today for only $29.99. Remember, all My Pillow products come with a six 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. It's MyPillow's way of saying thank you for all your support. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the body pillow for only $29.99. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 for these great radio specials. That's 800-391-0954 or MyPillow.com, promo code WORD. 
Providence Presbyterian Church, Washington Alliance Church, Bethlehem Lutheran Church, St. John the Baptist Church, Impact Christian Church, The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for churches. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives and restore sight and health for many more. Sign up right now online as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. RPTS, the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Point Breeze presents the 2019 Westminster Conference, Friday, September 13th through Saturday, September 14th. Join President Dr. Barry York and leading RPTS authorities in church history, systematic theology, biblical counseling, and more for this year's focus, the Synod of Dort and the Doctrines of Grace. The 2019 Westminster Conference, bringing the Westminster Confession into the 21st century. Register now at rpts.edu. We got a lot of mileage out of National Dog Day yesterday, didn't we? Well, we had to honor all the dogs we could, especially Gus. Yeah. Gus. Your dog. Yeah, my dog. Who is pictured, if you're curious, on our Facebook page, The Ride Home with Johnny mm-hmm. Kathy. Yeah. And I feel he bad. He garnered that... a lot of love last night. He surely did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we got neighbors who let their dogs bark like that. Just tell the dog to be quiet, right? Okay, so uh, looking at uh, International Dog Day, tell that dog to settle down, please. There's nothing worse than barking dogs. Seriously. Okay, how about weird dog names? Do you know anybody who's got a weird dog name? No, but I love, absolutely love weird animal names. It doesn't matter whether it's dog, cat, bird, whatever. I'm all in for the name. Yeah, well, someone has compiled PetInsurance.com. I love that that website. Has compiled the best unique male and female dog names of 2019. Okay. Now there's 50 names, but they do not uh, they do not decipher between male or female. But they just listed 50 names. Okay. Number 50, the evil Doctor Porkchop. (laughs) Now who's going to say, "Come here, evil Doctor Porkchop"? Right. You'd have to sort of all most of these names. You have to have to shorten them. Yeah, shorten them. Hey, pork. Yeah. Hey, chop. That's funny. That's, I love it. But the full name is, so I guess if your dog is a purebred, you register these names. Well, right? if you go to the vet, like my vet has my cat's total name and also my cat's nickname. Really? Yeah. Because my cat's name is Burton Guster, but we call him Gus. So it, the vet knows. It's so like when you said that you were an embarrassed, it's like say his real name is like Burton Guster. You just, just kind of rolls. He said, what's your cat's name? I said, Burton the cat's Guster. name is Burton Guster. And they say, would you please spell that? I said, Burton, as in Burton. <laughs> Guster. Okay. All right. Another weird name? Squirt Magoo. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be careful of that dog. Huh? Uh, another name? Shimmer Me Timber. Um, I like it. Pig- What's that from? What movie is that from? I don't know. Shimmer Me Timber. I, a movie? I, what kind of movie? Yeah, it's from a movie. About? Really? Piggy McWickles. <laughs> mm, pickle Puppy. Oh, that's nice. Ozzy McJagger McLovin. <laughs> That's a good name. Louis Gaga Boots Bernie, I King of All Dogs. That's a lot. I'm mm-hmm. not getting yeah. into all that. Doodles McDude. That's a good name. Okay. Here's one of mine. Be Frank. 
Be Frank. Yeah, no, beef. Oh, beef Frank. Yeah, like oh, a, that's like funny. All hot dog. Okay, I like it. Apollo Rising, son of Zeus Burris. <laughs> Come here, Apollo Rising, son of Zeus Burris. <laughs> Does right? seem like a lot. It's an awful lot. Come here, Stella Bean Dip. Stella Bean Dip. Yep. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Hello, Stella Bean Dip. Yep. Oh, I bet she's pretty. How about? Uh, oh, come on. I bet she's like a bulldog. A dog. I bet she's a drooler. She's probably a drooler. Probably. Stella Bean Dip. Nostradogmus. Mm-hmm. That's so totally clever. Mm-hmm. Captain Morgan Freeman. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bilbo Beggins. Bilbo Baggins. Mm-hmm. Bilbo Beggins. Oh, Beggins. Oh, because it's I get right. it. Yeah. That's oh, Bilbo Beggins. I like that very much. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last one, Albus Dumbledog. That's awesome. All right. That's the, uh, the best unique male and female dog names. Uh, I was thinking about my dog names. I mean, we sort of had, you know, pedestrian. Can you name? Well, Cindy was your first dog. Cindy was. You a... remember Cindy, don't you, Mike? Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you oh, know yeah. the story about you, Cindy. How could you forget? <laughs> Dragging down the street. God, <laughs> I mean, poor God bless poor Cindy. Yeah, poor God Cindy. bless you. Know, poor Cindy died in the first day of school. Yeah. Hey, Cindy, come on. Settle down, babe. I mean, I. How about all the animals you ever had? You ever like write all the well, pet I've names? Well, I've only had four animals in You've my whole life. You've only had four animals in your whole life? Right. Really? Mike, what's the name of your first dog? Bart. Bart. Okay. Bart, Bart okay. Simpson? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Bart. okay, good. You've only had four animals? Mm-hmm. Two ca- four ca- all four cats? Mm-hmm. You never had like a hamster or a bird? Mm-hmm. Nothing like that? Nothing. Really? My mm-hmm. favorite My favorite pet name was Elephant. And that is so yeah. funny. Was it a dog? It was a dog. It was a dog. That's Your Elephant. My uncle named his uh, his boxer D-O-G. D-O-G. Uh-huh. D-O-G. Right. That's funny. I like yeah. that. Hey, D-O-G. Yeah. I had a friend who named his dog Brian. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Which I thought was funny. Uh-huh. I had <laughs> a dog named... Brian. Named, Brian. Uh, I didn't know a dog named Bernie. Oh, that's a good dog right? name. Bernie, which was, you know, that that was the dog that I had and Mike McAdams' uh, wife had. Right, which is... Very strange very story. Very strange thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. What, what are your other dog names? Uh, let me see. The first dog I had was Cindy. Then, then, we, <laughs> then we had a dog named Spot. <laughs> Oh gosh! Uh, then we had a dog named Chip. Well, you didn't try too hard. No, nah, no. Nah. Then we had. To, then I had Bernie. Then I had Mick. Uh, After Jagger? Uh, no, just Mick. Okay. Uh, he came as Mick. Uh, then I had uh, Ruby, and then I had Gus. That's about it. Those are good dog names. Yeah. I had a cat in New York City named Jet, and Jet was with me for ten years to get hit by a car. Sorry, Jet. was Jet Black? Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. Beautiful cat. Very cool. Loved him very much. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just had a cat one time named Miss Kitty. But that's a whole I other story. One, I had a cat like that uh, that that was named that as well. Miss Kitty. Miss Kitty. Yeah. That's that's like not trying, you guys. No, Miss no, Kitty. no. Miss Kitty. She was like the princess. Yeah, she. Right. She ran the roost. Yeah. No, you look out. Look out. Here comes Miss Kitty, man. Get out of the way. Because yeah. you know she might like claw your eyes out or something. Did she hiss at you? No, no. She was very actually very kind. Okay. Very tame My- dog. My Miss Kitty got around the neighborhood. Oh, a of, no. A lot of oh. kittens. My, my cat, Spark. Oh, Sparky. The freest animal of all time at in the history time, of the universe. At one time, we had 15 cats in my house. Oh, what? my 15 God. cats? It was ridiculous. That's not good, Mike. It was horrible. In your house? Listen, listen. And we sold them all within a week. Listen to Bob Barker. Yeah. Neuter and spay your animals. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. Is Bob Barker still alive? Yes. Yeah. And Is he's still he really? asking people to neuter and spay their animals. Well, that's a good advice, right? Drew good Carey advice. Drew Carey say it was bad. Drew Carey is Bob Barker. Yeah. But Bob Barker's still alive. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group.
With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Missouri's new law to restrict abortions is partially blocked in court. With the law set to take effect tomorrow, the partial injunction is a legal setback for the pro-life legislation. U.S. District Judge Howard Sachs put a pause on the law's restrictions on abortions at or after eight weeks of pregnancy, while other legal challenges to pre-viability arguments play out in court, which could take months. The judge left intact restrictions on pregnancies between 14 and 20 weeks and for situations involving the race or sex of the preborn, as well as for potential Down syndrome diagnoses. A spokesman for the Missouri Attorney General who has a special needs child says that they're glad the provisions relating to that issue were left in place. George Bonzani reporting. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 121 points to 25,777. The Nasdaq dropped 27, the S&P lower by 9. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. At the original Mattress Factory, we don't chase trends. We focus on one thing, quality. We only use the highest quality materials to build our mattresses and box springs, and we put all of our products through the ringer, testing new designs and materials at our test center in Cleveland, Ohio. If a new feature or technology doesn't offer a true benefit, we don't put it in our products. At the Original Mattress Factory, our focus is on what makes a great mattress, not a great markup. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. Sleep impacts your ability to focus, learn, and solve problems. But according to Harvard Medical School, only 11% of American college students are sleeping well. At the Original Mattress Factory, we can't guarantee that your college student won't stay up until 3 a.m. cramming before a big exam. But we can provide a hand-built, high-quality mattress at a factory-direct price when they are finally ready to get some rest. Visit an Original Mattress Factory store near you or go to OriginalMattress.com to learn more. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, Find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us. At extremetruck.net. Hi, this is Brad Marshall, General Manager here at Salem, Pittsburgh. If you're listening to my voice right now, you're a listener to our station. If you love this station and you have experience in sales, we'd love to talk to you. You already understand our mission and what we do. So now maybe you'd like to join this team. If you have sales experience and understand digital marketing, we might have a job for you. Call me and we'll discuss the next steps. Call Brad, 412 503 
800-242-4770. If you love us, come join us. It could be a life-changing opportunity for you. You'll never know unless you call. Mostly cloudy and muggy tonight with a couple of showers and in some spots, a heavier thunderstorm, low 65. Tomorrow, a morning shower in the area, especially east of the city. Then clouds will give way to some sunshine, high 78. Mainly clear, cooler, and more comfortable tomorrow night, low 54. Then a nice day for Thursday, mostly sunny, not too humid, 76 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to the uh, Tuesday edition of The Ride Home. Thanks for coming along. Is it raining out there? No, but it looks threatening. It's, I'm surprised how quickly we have chilled. It's hard for me to take in. I don't like it at it all. It really, I mean, the only thing about today is it's still so humid, you can't really tell. Yeah. But I got, when we walked out of the uh, mm-hmm. studio last night about 6.20, it wasn't warm out. No, it was chilly. You know, and here it is. It's still August. We still have sad. another, we got another month of summer left. I know. What's the story It's going to get hot again. Just relax. So. Right. Just relax. Okay. News today that the uh, Justice Department is seeking a death penalty for the Tree of Life suspect. And, you know, we talked about this yesterday because the synagogues that were represented um, in the Tree of Life shooting had made a statement maybe a week ago, John, saying that they weren't. They were urging uh, Justice Department officials to not seek the death penalty. Right, yeah. Uh, the decision to seek the death penalty uh, goes against what you're saying, Kath, against the congregations. In a recent letter to Attorney General William Barr, the group cited religious and personal objections to capital punishment. They also, uh, they also expressed concern about a trial and a penalty phase that would require testimony from survivors exposing them to further trauma. Stephen Cohen, who is co-president of New Life Congregation. New Light Congregation. New Light Congregation, sorry. Had written to Attorney General Barr, urging that he accept a guilty plea with a guaranteed life sentence, saying it was, quote, absolutely the wrong decision to seek the death penalty. A trial will not bring closure to the victims. They will have to testify in court and sit there while this heinous person tries to prove that he didn't do something that he obviously did. There's no guarantee of a conviction, and even if there is a finding of guilt, people stay on death death row for years and years. Now, Rabbi Perlman, Rabbi Jonathan Perlman of New Life Congregation, he survived the attack, of course, written earlier to Attorney General Barr, urging him to not seek the penalty as well, death penalty. He said, quote, this is a medieval way of promoting justice. We have ways of sentencing people other than taking their lives. The burden of pain is felt very deeply on the part of the victims and their families and will be worsened by a trial. I agree. The Justice Department said that within days of the massacre, the U.S. Attorney's Office started the approval process for seeking death for this uh, suspect in consultation with the Capital Crimes Unit and the U.S. Attorney General, who was Jeff Sessions at the time. Now, prosecutors are saying that they are uh, pursuing the death penalty because of these reasons, because the suspect allegedly targeted vulnerable people out of religious hatred, killed multiple victims and tried to kill others chose the site to make an impact, and showed no remorse. Right. So should this shooter be sentenced to die, he would end up housed at a prison in Terre Haute, Indiana, 
with 62 other inmates who are now on the federal death row. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I see it from both perspectives. From the office of the U.S. attorney, I see that if you don't make the statement that if you're going to kill somebody out of religious hatred and you're going to do that on a mass scale, if you don't say that death is a penalty for that, then you're not standing up enough for those who could be targets, whether of any religious minority. I get that. I understand what you're saying, but I also do believe it's the death penalty is not a deterrent for anyone who's got mass murder on their minds. I, you know, over the years, my opinions really changed on the death penalty, and I understand its scriptural significance. It's a pro-life um, issue. Well, but it, but it was a it was a scriptural mandate for Israel. We can't get around that. I mean, that was a mandate. That's what God. That's how God told them uh, to deal with instances of life for life. Um, however, we don't have the same. First of all, we're not Israel. <laughs> Second of all, we have different. We, we're not carrying out the same stipulations now right, right. as there were um, in the scriptures. So that's another difference. Um, the third thing is that we don't. We just don't uh, we don't recognize all of the difficulties in our justice system, which are contributing to people being put on death row through some means that is not I'm not saying this. Well, let me just come out and say it. There are a lot of people on death row who are there for reasons that have to do with their race and their ethnicity. And I'm not saying that's everybody who's on death row, but I'm saying that I don't have enough confidence that everybody who's on death row is guilty. Right. So that's why I've changed my mind. But I see that there are both sides to this. It's one of those issues I feel like reasonable people can disagree on this. Um, But over many years and just doing a lot of soul searching on this, I just don't feel like I can endorse the death penalty anymore. Um, But when you hear what the U.S. Attorney's Office is saying, they're they're standing up for the death penalty for a very good reason. They're saying we need to defend people who are in religious minorities who are going to be gathering in public places. And if we don't stand up and say that this is a capital crime, then we're not doing our best. And I so I get that, too. Sure. Yeah. But again, I do believe that, you know, a mass murder is not thinking, well, hey, there's a death penalty. I better not go and murder people by the dozens. I don't think that's a, again, that's not a deterrent. Right? I wonder I, if it would be a deterrent if it happened quickly. Do you ever wonder about that? Well, th- there's a lot to be said about that because look at these people, you know, the 62 who are on death row, on federal death row. And of course, how many states have numerous prisoners on their death row, right? And they sit there for decade after decade, some people 30, 40, 50 years on death row. If you're going to, you know, that's the machinery that you're going to seek justice, you should do it quickly. But the legal system here in the United States is stacked against that that quick access to murdering someone, which essentially the government's in the business of murdering people. And I don't, I can't feel good about that. No, neither can I. I wonder if you think... But again, look, you and I have not been touched by deep tragedy in our families. You know, if that was someone that you loved who was murdered and slaughtered, would you seek, is it in your heart to seek, well, there's retribution there as that person I don't know is murdered? If it, I don't know if you look at it as retribution. Do you think there's I a think you look at it. Fairness? Well, so I was listening to somebody just the other day, Dennis Prager, who's on a, um, 1250. On, on 
another station talking about, but he works for our, our company, talking about his advocacy of the death penalty. And I disagree with him, but I appreciate his perspective on it because he said, this is how we show how important life is. This is how we do it. Is we say, if you take it. You pay the price. We take yours. Mm-hmm. That's how vital it is. That's how beautiful we think those lives that we lost in Squirrel Hill are. That's how important it is. It's not something we rejoice in. It's not something that we want to do, but we will because we value the lives of those people so much. So if fam- when families are touched by the heinous murder of someone that they love, and then after all those appeals are finally exhausted and the decades go by and that person is finally executed. Does it change anything? Then people say, is there, oh, well, there's, clo- I now have closure. How could you ever have closure? What is that? I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know I mean, what to say about it, it. Unless you walk in those shoes, you will not know the horror and the heartbreak of what that feels like. And so as you attend that execution, yeah. what? Closure. Something Something has happened and that the pain and suffering of someone I loved, that's yeah. now been yeah. equaled out. My plea on this is just to let people of goodwill disagree. Um, have your opinion as I have mine. I, like I, I brought up Dennis Prager. Dennis has an opinion that I very much respect, and I get that. I just can't go with him. I still can't advocate capital punishment. But I hear him, and I get it, but I'm listening to the people who were the victims at Tree of Life, or at least those who are family members and friends, and they're saying this is not what we want. Well, because we're now we, all of us, the families and the entire listening, reading Western Pennsylvania population, we're going to march forward with this coconut shooter and have to look at him in court, listen to testimony day after day, week after week, perhaps month after month, as there's this hatred spewed. And everybody knows this guy did it. And so we've all got to play this charade. It's not a charade, though. I mean, it's just it's the way the justice system works. It's not a charade. It feels as though it's a charade because, you know what? I'm going to plead not guilty. Come on. Every cop knows you were there. Hey, hey, but but look, that's something we have to stand up for. Everyone has everybody has a right to defend themselves. This is this is at the foundation of what we understand justice to be. Even if everybody saw him, so everybody's going to see him, he's going to be found guilty. But Uh, if you want a a speedy and a quick and a fair trial, none of that is insane. No, no, you're right. Rabbi Perlman, uh, New Light Congregation, he said this: "It's time to stop the horror of being re-traumatized by an attack that's already nearly a year old." Amen to that, right? But we're going to do this for the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just had a meeting last week with lawyers. More time for discovery so we give these this legal team of this know, guy I more know. time listen to i agree with you i agree with you i'm just tr- i'm trying so hard to see it from both sides because i do feel like people have the right motivations even though they're coming at this with and coming up with a different opinion WORD. Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Cram. Why should you read the Bible? Because it is God's personal word to you. Because it is God's powerful word to you. Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Graham. PowerPoint tonight at 930 on 101.5 WORD. I'm not an actor. 
I was not compensated in any way for this. Byron bought a timeshare. After 12 years of endless fees and broken promises, he wanted out. I saw an ad by a company that talked about being able to get you out of your contract, and they would sell your timeshare. They ripped me off. I found out later on that the market for timeshares is non-existent. So he turned to Wesley Financial Group. They had a very good Better Business Bureau rating, and after reading all the testimonials, I felt like I wanted to give them a chance. Wesley Financial Group got Byron out of his timeshare contract legally. If you are like me and you would like to get out of this contract, I strongly urge you to get a hold of Wesley Financial Group. They are honest and good people, and I just want to thank them from the bottom of my heart. For your free information kit, call 800-349-8877. 800-349-8877. Again, 800-349-8877. Bye. It's an amazing song. Maybe you've seen the movie. It's kind of happening. Now see them live in concert. The Imagination Tour. Featuring Mercy Me. With special guest Crowder. Word FM welcomes Mercy Me. Coming to PPG Paints Arena, October 4th. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. One of the most highly revered Bible teaching programs in the world is facing a challenging financial deficit. If you're among the millions who have personally benefited from the Bible teaching of Chuck Swindoll, then we're asking you to prayerfully step forward and give generously to Insight for Living Ministries. The need is urgent, and your gift of any amount will make a difference in helping to keep this beloved program on the air. You can respond right now by calling 800-772-8888 or go online to insight.org slash donate. Train up children in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Visit pittsburghchristianschools.net to discover godly teachers and great classmates near you. That's pittsburghchristianschools.net, pittsburghchristianschools.net. For victims of drunk and drug driving, our grief is unique, but you are not alone. Matt is here to help. Call our 24-hour victim helpline at 877-MAD-HELP or visit mad.org. That's M-A-D-D dot O-R-G. Earlier this month, uh, my wife and I, my our kids, we went to the beach. Yay! It's our you know our summer vacation. And you know how that is when you're planning a vacation. You know we started talking about this. You know back in February, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? How are we going to spend the time? What about a house? Blah blah. All those different things. And then finally, you know, a week before the the vacation takes place, we're thinking, hey, this time next week we're going to be at the beach, and we start to pack and. And then finally the day comes where the car is packed and we get in the car and we're driving towards the beach and thinking, oh, when we get there, you know, this is what's going to be like. And, you know, in my mind, I'm talking to myself as I'm driving everybody there. And finally, we're there. And, you know, the day arrives that, you know, you, you go out to the beach and you set up your umbrella and your chair and you're here. And all that time... All that planning, all that thought, all that forward motion finally <laughs> comes to a halt because you've arrived at the moment. And then you sit and you think, I'm here. Now what? Now for me, I've you know I've been a veteran of this, and so it's easy for me to well not easy, but it's the well-worn sort of machineries in place where I sort of feel myself pulling the plug out of the wall and I surrender to nothingness. And I allow myself that opportunity to devolve into 
the moment, the days, the week, plus of absolute nothingness, nothingness, of just being in the moment. And I love that. Now, I don't do that with most of my other life. With any of your other life. Right? I'm always planning, always thinking, always doing, always, you know, the nodding the head, the doing the thing, as Scott Wilder says. But there's something wrong there. There's a disconnect that we're always so preoccupied that rarely do we sit in the moment and, as our next guest, John Kessler, joins us, practice the present. Dr. John Kessler is with us, former chair and professor, Division of Applied Theology Theology and Church Ministry at Moody Bible Institute, newly retired. John's the author of the most recent, The Radical Pursuit of Rest, Escaping the Productivity Trap. John, welcome back. I'm glad to be with you both. Yeah, John. Okay, so my story about the beach and preparedness and then finally surrendering, that's pretty typical, I think, of a lot of us, right? That we're always focused on something, but it's rarely the people that we can finally surrender and be fully available in the moment. Yeah, I think, you know, I like to say that the the trouble with the present is that it is so easily overlooked. I describe it as like the quiet child in a loud family. And the cycle you're describing when it comes to this one particular event of planning for vacation and you, uh, you're kind of moving toward it, moving toward it, looking forward to it, and then all of a sudden it's there, and now what? You know, I actually think that kind of describes the way we sort of live our whole lives. One of the things I, you know, say when it, people ask me why I wrote the what wrote this book, it's a little bit, I, I came to the place where I sort of felt like I was, somebody was driving on the road really fast and running out of roads, you know, and yeah. all of this, all of this future that I had been planning for most of my life, had not not only had it arrived, but it had come and gone, <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, well, wait, wait a minute, <laughs> what happened there? What was all that about? Yeah, okay, so that's interesting. So, yeah. so you yourself, newly retired, it's only been several months, uh, clearly uh, now is the time to be in the present more than perhaps any other time in your life, because like you said, you've been planning for this for decades as well. Yeah, and I actually think what it made me realize is that the, how important, first of all, how important the present is, no matter what stage of life we're in, simply because it's the present is all we have to live out our Christian life. Now, I'm not saying that the past is unimportant or that we should completely dis- that we should dismiss the past or live in denial about what happened in the past. Nor am I saying that the future is unimportant. We are because we are Christians, we are people of the future. We live our lives based on promise. Jesus taught us to pray into the future when he taught us to pray that the kingdom would come. But the the meeting point in our experience of the past and the future is in the present, because that really is the only context that we have for living our lives. And more importantly, it is the context where we encounter God. It's the context where God works out his purpose in our lives, which is, that's why I would, I would maybe change some of the language you're using when you're describing the experience. It isn't nothing, it's something. That's, I think that's the problem that we have at the present, is that because we don't pay attention to it, it, it does become a kind of nothing to us. You know, we're either dwelling on the past, 
which seems better for some of us than the president does, or else it's so traumatic we're trying to process it, or we're, we're staging for the future, which we're pretty sure is going to be better than whatever it is we're doing right now. And in between those two things, we completely, we're, we're oblivious to what God is trying to do in the now. John, talk to us about the sermon we might hear or the talk that we might watch online, which tells us that God's chief aim for us is to move us out of our comfort zone. <laughs> I have a real, a real uh, uh, issue with <laughs> comfort zone theology. Uh, I, I really don't believe it. First of all, I, I don't think you need to move out of your comfort zone. I think that life will do that for you. Yes. That that is the natural trajectory of human experience. So that and and here's here's the issue. I'm not saying that God would never ask us to do something that is uncomfortable to us. I think He does that all the time. When I hear this comfort zone theology, first of all, it usually seems to be an end in itself. The the reasoning seems to be. You're comfortable, that's a problem. God wants you to be uncomfortable. Why does God want you to be uncomfortable? I don't know why he wants you to be uncomfortable. Usually it has to do with some agenda that the person, that is usually some church leader telling you to do this, it's some agenda they have. God wants you to be uncomfortable because he wants you to go serve in the nursery because we we need people to work in the nursery. You don't want to really do that. But God wants you to do that because, but actually it may not have anything to do with God at all. So, you know, I think Jesus invites us into the comfort zone when he invites us into the experience of rest. In fact, that's, this book is sort of a follow-up to my book, The Radical Pursuit of Rest, that it, he, Jesus is inviting us into relationship with him in the now, and that relationship will take place no matter what the nature of our circumstances are, and they might be extremely uncomfortable. You know, I think that's I'm not saying like, oh, oh, if you learn how to practice the present, all of your discomforts will go away and your and the life that you hate and, and all the things that cause you misery will just go away. I'm not saying that at all. I am saying that if you open your eyes, you will see that God is drawing near to you through the person of His Son by the Holy Spirit. In, in that circumstance, no matter how boring and mundane it is, or even no matter how difficult it is. So as you practice the present, John, what you're saying is that you are practicing awareness, right? Yes. Whether it's physical awareness or spiritual awareness. Yes. And it, it is, first of all, an awareness of things as they really are. It's a, it's a way of locating ourselves in the world, a way of, of uh, uh, seeing ourselves so that we're, we're reining in this tendency that our wandering mind has to concentrate on everything except the present, but more importantly, it is uh, it is cultivating an awareness that God is truly present, no matter how mundane or bleak the circumstances are. So your listeners probably can identify the play on words in the title, practicing the present really is a matter of practicing the presence of God, as Brother Lawrence talked mm-hmm. about, so that when we're talking about living in the now— we're talking about living with an awareness of God dwelling with me. Mm-hmm. 
in the now, whatever that now looks like. Do you think that most people just slide right by that, that awareness that God is with us? Yeah. That, you know, that God yeah. is, most people are thinking that, you know, God is in heaven or God is somewhere down mm-hmm. the line, but not right here with us, surrounding us at this moment. I think what it is, is we know theologically that God is all, always everywhere. You know, God is omnipresent. But I think we get distracted. And and we don't really uh, uh, we don't expect them to show up, and we're either so busy sort of dwelling on what has happened or trying to stage what we want to happen next that we're just we're just not paying attention to what he may do be doing in the here and now. I, I think something that goes along with that one of the things I think that comes along with practicing the present is. Making sacred the ordinary, recognizing the value, the spiritual significance of that very common thing that's right in front of you to do right now. Because one of the things that goes along with this sort of comfort zone, discomfort zone theology that we often hear is this expectation that we're always supposed to be doing something great when the reality is most of the time we're doing something ordinary. We're not, we're not doing something great. So the, the assumption is that if, if I'm not doing something great, then I'm, then I'm not going to achieve this, you know, whatever the state is of, of bliss or achievement or I'm going to see God at work. Well, in fact, you don't, you don't have to go looking for him in that sense. You know, you, you don't have to work yourself into a fever or, or perform something that's great enough that will cause him to show up. He is, first of all, God dwells within the believer in the person of the Holy Spirit. He's always engaged with your life, and he's deeply interested in that ordinary thing that you're doing right now that doesn't seem to have any significance. Yes. John Kessler is with us, practicing the present, the neglected art of living in the now. So, John, obviously, just by hearing you speak, and you know, you've written about this uh, deeply, beautifully, you've given a lot of thought, a lot of attention to being in the present. So what does that look like for you just, you know, in a moment-by-moment moment part of your day. I mean, there's an intentionality there, that awareness. Yeah, I think, first of all, it, first of all it gives, it, it's a matter of giving myself the permission to be where I am doing what I'm doing. You know, I think we, a lot of times we feel this sort of um, tension that what we're doing is maybe we think it's not important enough or maybe we think it's not, maybe we think it's, too messy for for God to show up. You know, secondly, I think it involves uh, an honest assessment of the situation as it now stands. And there are actually some disciplines that some people have practiced that help them. For example, you know, just the discipline of sitting in a chair and taking note of your surroundings. I mean, literally, you know, I note the furniture, I note the room, I become aware of how I'm feeling in the moment. And then in the midst of that, acknowledging the fact that God is also present there and deeply attentive, that God is far more attentive to me than I am to him. In fact, that His the attention that God gives me comes from the inside out, because I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit. I think also there are some people practice the discipline of solitude and silence just to, and, and I think if you're just getting started in this, you know, you, you have to be like really uh, uh, measured in it. You know, you don't, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend an hour in 
solitude and silence. If you've never done it before, no, probably not. You know, after about two minutes, you're going to be... Go crazy. All you'll be looking for the clicker, you know, the television <laughs> remote. Or you pick up your phone, happen. yeah, yeah. Which, is, which means you probably need to find a place where you can't get access to it. <laughs> right. But so... Um, but it really does. It does start with a with sort of this this taking note, this assessment of not just your surroundings, but also the state of your life, and an honest one. You know, not a uh, which which means might mean that I have to acknowledge some things about my life that do make me uncomfortable. I'm not moving out of my comfort zone. You know, I'm actually acknowledging that my the zone I'm in right now is already uncomfortable. I don't, I don't need to go looking for it. But that. recognizing recognizing that that's the situation, whether it's a situation I've caused for myself or whether it's circumstances beyond my control, recognizing that that's the situation that God will meet me in today, right in this moment. In this moment. I love this. This is really good. John Kessler from Moody Bible Institute. His newest work is called Practicing the Present, the Neglected Art of Living in the Now. John Kessler. Since 1979, Chuck Swindoll has been recognized around the world for his clear Bible teaching, his joyful spirit, and warm expression of God's grace. All this, of course, through the Heritage Radio program known as Insight for Living. But today, this 40-year nonprofit ministry has experienced a challenging financial deficit. Many have personally benefited, but have never given. Please prayerfully consider making a generous donation today by calling 800-772-8888 or give online at insight.org donate. At the Original Mattress Factory, we don't chase trends. We focus on one thing, quality. We only use the highest quality materials to build our mattresses and box springs, and we put all of our products through the ringer, testing new designs and materials at our test center in Cleveland, Ohio. If a new feature or technology doesn't offer a true benefit, we don't put it in our products. At the Original Mattress Factory, our focus is on what makes a great mattress, not a great markup. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. Sleep impacts your ability to focus, learn, and solve problems. But according to Harvard Medical School, only 11% of American college students are sleeping well. At the Original Mattress Factory, we can't guarantee that your college student won't stay up until 3 a.m. cramming before a big exam. But we can provide a hand-built, high-quality mattress at a factory-direct price when they are finally ready to get some rest. Visit an Original Mattress Factory store near you or go to OriginalMattress.com to learn more. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And And we're we're the the owners of South Coast Tax. We started our company 10 years ago in an effort to help our fellow Christians experiencing tax issues resolve their matters by taking a simple three-step approach. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys that specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We're also a small firm who will treat you like family, not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation. And we'll take the time to explain all of the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176, and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. 
Bill, Susan, you guys look amazing. What's the secret? Our new Sleep Number 360 smart bed. He chooses the comfort on his side. I choose mine. We feel great. Can it help keep you asleep? Yes, it senses our movements and adjusts to keep us both comfortable all night. I don't think it's a secret anymore. It's the biggest sale of the year. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing, only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Mostly cloudy and muggy tonight with a couple of showers and in some spots, a heavier thunderstorm, low 65. Tomorrow, a morning shower in the area, especially east of the city. Then clouds will give way to some sunshine, high 78. Mainly clear, cooler, and more comfortable tomorrow night. Low 54, then a nice day for Thursday. Mostly sunny, not too humid, 76 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Myra Rodriguez worked at the Planned Parenthood facility in Atlanta. She was the director there, and um, she was fired back in 2017 for having what they said were illegal drugs in her desk. Mm. Uh, but it turned out that the case was more complicated than that because it turned out that Maya Rodriguez was about to be a whistleblower. She was seeing things happening at the Planned Parenthood clinic and was going to report it when she was fired. So let me tell you what was going on there, according to court documents. Uh, Court documents describe how Maya Rodriguez saw women experiencing complications from abortions performed by one particular abortionist. Once, five medical assistants came to her and told her the abortionist had made them sign an affidavit saying he had completed an abortion and removed the entire baby Mm. before the procedure even started. Okay, the medical assistants believed that it was premature, wrong and illegal because the surgery hadn't even been performed yet and they were going to be signing a legal document. Another time, according to Myra Rodriguez, the abortionist falsified a patient chart by failing to record what's called an incomplete abortion, which means that the abortion is finished. They look on an ultrasound and they see that a portion of the baby is still left inside the mom. Jeez, oh um, so. Fortunately, the medical assistants recognized what had happened. The physician came back into the room and had to complete the abortion, but none of that information ever ended up on the patient's chart. Hmm. Okay. Lastly, my Rod- Rodriguez said that she saw um, a supervisor fail to report an abortion performed on a minor who had been impregnated by an adult which is a violation of state law and a violation of any kind of ethic or morality that you could think of. She also said the facility left the medicine room unlocked and the door open during business hours. So anyway, the long and the short of it is that um, she took Planned Parenthood to court and the jury heard the lawsuit and filed in favor of Hernandez, or I'm sorry, Rodriguez, Hernandez is her representative, um, and gave her $3 million dollars. Wow. That was over. They hadn't even requested a dollar amount. The jury deliberated for a very short time and said, okay, you were fired. You were fired wrongly. You clearly wanted to explain what was going on at the clinic. You were fired as a result. And here you're getting $3 million. Holy smokes. Well, you know, any vestige that Planned Parenthood is providing health care for people, that's long since gone. And this, you see that? Just another story. You read the details about what's happening. Proves the same point. Sure does. 
Take a break. Come back. Hugh Ross will be with us in a few minutes. We're going to talk about UFOs, aliens, Area 51, and the storming of a government facility. WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. What's the difference between happiness and joy? Happiness depends on what happens. Joy depends upon the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. And the only way that you can rejoice always is to rejoice in the Lord because He never changes. Adrian Rogers helps you celebrate the victory this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. You've all helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to word listeners everywhere. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. Now you can get deep discounts on MyPillows, mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. There's even a great body pillow, perfect if you happen to be a side sleeper, regularly $89.99, but with the promo code WORD, you can get one today for only $29.99. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. It's MyPillow's way of saying thank you for all your support. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the body pillow for only $29.99. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 for these great radio specials. That's 800-391-0954 or MyPillow.com. Promo code WORD. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henny Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade. Through 47 state-certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community. With results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Hi, this is Brad Marshall, General Manager here at Salem, Pittsburgh. If you're listening to my voice right now, you're a listener to our station. If you love this station and you have experience in sales, we'd love to talk to you. You already understand our mission and what we do. So now maybe you'd like to join this team. If you have sales experience and understand digital marketing, we might have a job for you. Call me and we'll discuss the next steps. Call Brad, 412-503-4770. If you love us, come join us. It could be a life-changing opportunity for you. You'll never know unless you call. According to Fox News, more than 250,000 people have signed up to attend a Facebook event planning a raid on Area 51 in southern Nevada, quote, to see them aliens. (laughs) Okay, this is happening September 20th. 20th, right. The event is titled Storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us. Right. And um, so people are going to meet at 3 a.m. September 20th near Area 51. 
and they're going to just, you know, see what they can do. So another 283,000 people said they're interested in attending. Now, the U.S. Air Force has commented on this. Do not come. come. The FBI has commented on this. Do not come out here. Um, but Southern Nevada. It's Southern Nevada. Isolated. And I can't imagine. I bet 11 people show. I can't, No, no. I think you're wrong. I think tens of thousands no will show. I bet they no people way. do. No way. I don't believe that. Because people love this kind of stuff, Kath. And people have a lot of free time on their hands. And believe me, the news media, oh, look, we're raising our hands. Uh, we're part of this in some way. Just by us talking about this, every sort of pseudo wackadoodle who has some idea of aliens being frozen and buried out in Area 51, this is like a free pass because they're saying they can't stop us all. We're going to run towards right, the gonna, gates right. and knock it down and no one's going to – and we're going to so uncover ridiculous. them aliens. Right, with the U.S. Air Force trying to defend it. Area 51 is in the southern portion of Nevada. Um, it's a large military airfield and it was acquired by the U.S. Air Force back in 1955 for the flight testing of the Lockheed U-2 aircraft. Hmm. Since then? It's been cordoned off. It's a government facility. Dr. Hugh Ross is with us. Hugh is an astronomer, a best-selling author. He travels the globe speaking on the the compatibility of advancing scientific discoveries with the timeless truths of Christian faith. His organization called Reasons to Believe is dedicated to demonstrating via a variety of resources and events that science and biblical faith are allies and not enemies. Hugh, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. Hugh, have you ever had a desire to go to Area 51? No desire at all. Number one, it's not the most secret military place. There's other places far more secret than Area 51. Moreover, our government recently made it twice as big just to keep people away. Um, You know, I would think that if people want to storm Area 51, they're not going to get very far. It's a very hot desert. It's dry. Uh, it's a big area they're going to have to storm. They're going to run out of water. They're going to get heat stroke. Moreover, that area is filled with rattlesnakes <laughs> with a neurotoxin for which we have no antidote. Uh, so I've encouraged people, not a good idea to go there. Uh, you might not survive the charge. Although I hear Keanu Reeves is going to be part of this group because he wants to promote his latest movie. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, it, so you do you I think mean, people are going to show up, Kathy? In the Matrix, <laughs> right? Exactly. So I don't think I think eleven people are going to show. I think thousands and thousands are going to show up. What do you think, Hugh? I think thousands and thousands are going to show, uh, but none of them are going to make it to any place significant there. And uh, moreover, they need to appreciate they're way overestimating our government security. Our government doesn't have a capability of keeping a secret like that covered from the public for decades. Proof of that is there was a former president who tried to cover up 20 minutes of just one audio tape. <laughs> right, we know how, how that turned out. How long was he able to keep it covered up? Not long. Only 11 days. Right. So we can't cover up an audio tape for 11 days. How are we going to cover up alien bodies uh, you know, stashed away at some government facility. Okay, so the the whole deal about Area 51 is they're saying, you know, there are frozen bodies of aliens that have once visited. The government is holding them and the spacecraft somehow in this gigantic hangar. So, Hugh, if extraterrestrials did travel to planet Earth, I mean, what would it take for them to do that? Is that even something we could even have a conjecture about? 
Well, I think this also shows just how much people need a basic education in physics because it's simply impossible for beings as big as us to be able to travel through interstellar space. I mean, you're not going to be able to go the velocity of light. If you're to go really fast, the particles in interstellar space will destroy your ship and kill you. I mean, a good example of that is Elon Musk is now wanting to send spacecraft uh, to the nearest star. That's only 4.4 light years away. But he realizes because of the particles in interstellar space, the biggest craft he can send is about 10 centimeters across. Moreover, he's going to send a 1,000 of them, recognizing that over half of them will be destroyed, moving simply at 20% the velocity of light. Now, we've already looked for intelligence signals within 300 light years of the Earth. There aren't any, which means any beings that are conceivably out there, they've got to travel farther than that. Uh, and if they can only go, say, 10% of velocity of light, and realistically, the fastest you could go is 1% of the velocity of light. Any velocity faster than that, you're going to kill the people on board, no matter what kind of craft you've got, which means you're looking at 50,000, 30,000 years minimum for them to make a one-way trip. And guess what? That exceeds the maximum conceivable lifetime for a civilization like ours to maintain high technology. So bottom line is, even if they exist, they can't get here. And secondly, research papers have been published in the last year saying if there is intelligent life in the universe, we humans have to be the very first example. Why? Because it takes a minimum time of the entire age of the universe to prepare the conditions that would make advanced life possible. So they're saying maybe after us, but not before us. And if they're not before us, we're alone. We're it. Wow. Okay, so Hugh, I just came uh, from the ocean, and as I'm walking on the sand, uh, I remember this phrase or this idea that as many grains of sand as there are in all the beaches of the world, that is how many planets are currently in outer space. Is that anywhere near correct? It is correct. I mean, within an order of 10 or 100, uh, it's correct. Uh, We know there are about a a trillion, trillion planets in the observable universe. Lots of planets. On the other hand, for them to be able to have advanced life on them, a planet must simultaneously reside in 13 of the known habitable zones. And we're discovering a new habitable zone about twice a year. Right now, the list is at 13. And of all the planets that we've discovered outside the solar system, more than 4,000, there's only one planet we know of that simultaneously resides in even three of those 13 habitable zones. Wow. And I'll let you guess which planet that is. What planet would it be? Us? Yes, planet Earth. It's the only planet we know of that even resides in, in three. We happen to reside in all 13. Holy smokes. Okay, so these planets you're talking about, they're called Goldilocks planets? They're called Goldilocks planets because they exist in what's called the liquid water habitable zone. But of all the known habitable zones, that one's the widest. The other 12 are much, much narrower. And again, for a planet to be truly habitable, it has to simultaneously reside in all 13 that we know of to date. I see. And the, the probability of getting one living in all those 13 zones by uh, natural processes uh, is far more remote than one chance in a trillion trillion. 
again, it's an argument that our planet Earth is the only one. And also astronomers realize even to get one planet on which life is possible, you need a universe exactly the mass and the size of our universe. Make it slightly smaller, there's no possibility for life anywhere in the universe. Make it the tiniest bit bigger, likewise no possibility for life in the universe. That's why we live in such a vast universe. It has to be precisely designed in order to make possible even one of those trillion, trillion planets inhabiting life. Dr. Hugh Ross is with us, astrophysicist, best-selling author. Hugh, we only have a couple minutes left, but I do want to ask you how you feel or what your experience has been in those who are looking for or investigating extraterrestrial life. Well, having said all this, I do believe there is extraterrestrial life. I just don't believe it's physical. I mean, from a biblical perspective, God created two distinct species of intelligent life, human beings that are physical angels that are not physical, and I've been studying the UFO phenomena since I was 16 years of age, and it's legitimate. Uh, yes, most UFOs have a natural explanation, but there's a residual. What's interesting about the residual, many of them crash into the Earth. You can go to the crash site, you see a crater, you see damaged vegetation, uh, you see radiation effects, but there's no debris and no artifacts. And when they come through the atmosphere in a crash trajectory, no sonic boom and no heat friction. If it was a physical object, you'd get a sonic boom, you'd get heat friction, there would be debris at the crash site, there's nothing there. But the fact that you get a crater, melted snow, damaged vegetation, it tells you it's real. But that's what the Bible tells us about angels. They're real, but they're not physical. And yes, as it also tells us in the Bible, Many of us engage these beings unawares. But I think we need to be cautious because there's two different species of these or two different kinds of these angels, the righteous angels and what are called the fallen uh, or the wicked angels. And I believe it's the wicked angels that are behind the UFO phenomena because when anybody has a close encounter, it's always a terrible experience. It's never positive. Moreover, the only people that have those experiences are those that are seeking entry into the occult. Close the doors of the occult, that'll be the end of your UFO experiences. Open those doors, things are going to happen to you that you'd rather not happen. That's fascinating. Really, it is. So, Hugh, if people want to read more about this, please direct us in the right uh, location. Well, we've actually got a package of three books that deal with this subject in detail, and uh, they can get those books by going to reasons.org slash area 51. And we're actually offering a free chapter of one of those three books, a chapter I wrote in Lights in the Sky and Little Green Men. Fabulous. Hugh, always a great pleasure. Thanks for being with us. Oh, you're very welcome. My pleasure. Hugh Ross from Reasons to Believe, reasons.org on the web. Grandma and Grandpa, when you retire, will you take me to Disney World? Can we go to a movie? Grandma, can you teach me how to knit? Grandpa, will you throw the baseball around with me? They won't always be so little. 
make sure you plan now so you can start making more memories because big or small those moments matter they are what you've worked your entire life for and they just might turn out to be some of the best moments of your life and theirs i'm kurt kenotic ceo and financial advisor at accurate solutions group call our team to start your personalized income plan for your own retirement blueprint 412-515-3555 That's 412-515-3555. At Accurate Solutions Group, we help people retire with confidence, clarity, and independence. We do the planning so you can make the memories. 412-515-3555. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Providence Presbyterian Church, Washington Alliance Church, Bethlehem Lutheran Church, St. John the Baptist Church, Impact Christian Church, The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up renovation expansion nello construction the choice for churches see the projects begin the journey at nelloconstruction.com why a classical christian education because kids learn differently at different ages through grammar we grasp the building blocks of knowledge logic teaches how those building blocks relate then rhetoric helps us communicate what we know For over 50 years, Trinity Christian School has intentionally applied this classical approach to education with great success. It's just one reason why they're consistently ranked among the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County. Trinity Christian School at trinitychristian.net. This AccuWeather-ready storm preparedness tip is brought to you by Duracell. During a power outage, it's important to prepare for any electric complication that may arise within your home. Install carbon monoxide detectors with battery backup in central locations on each level of your home. This will ensure you and your family members will remain protected and secure until the power returns. When you trust Duracell, there's no such thing as a power outage. Available at the Home Depot. Enjoy comfort year-round with a new Train heating and cooling system. At Train, they test so it runs. For a limited time, you can get a great deal on a qualifying new Train system. Visit traininfo.com to find your local dealer. That's traininfo.com. It's hard to stop a train. The return on my investment has been beyond my imagination. I always wanted to be a great dentist, but what I wasn't prepared for is the relationships that I'm able to develop with my patients. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Oh, today is your birthday And I wish you many, many, many more I'm wishing happy birthday to one of our Compassion Girls. Oh, you sponsored Compassion, baby? We sponsored two Compassion Girls. Excellent. And it is Bethlehem Melkamu's birthday today. She turns 21. She lives in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Nice. And we've been connected with Bethlehem for maybe 11 years. Don't you love it? I want to say, I love it. I love it. Seriously, to me, the the child sponsorship, I love so much. Compassion is the gold standard. Because they're invested in that relationship, yep. you right. with the child, right. back and forth, the letters over all those years. I mean, I've got drawers full of my letters to my kids coming back to me. And you get to see them grow. Yep. I love it so much. Yeah, highly recommended. We got no skin in this game, only to say oh, yeah. we love compassion. Yeah, and we uh, we praise God for Bethlehem's life. Excellent. Happy birthday, Bethlehem. 21 years of age. So we, 
you're done though, right? I don't 21. think so. We didn't get anything saying we're done. It's a it's a child sponsorship. It's not an Lisa, adult. I th- I'm just saying we didn't get anything. You might be surprised. All right. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.